It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. She started with the a tooth abscess that was very bad and she developed a virus um, and got extremely sick and just stopped eating. So that was in March 2008, exactly three years later, plus a week, she took her own life. It's a tough one this week, make no mistake about it. Annette and Stuart Baker and Frank and Ali Barrett are members of a terrible, terrible club. But they have decided to speak out about being in that club, hopefully to benefit other families like yours and mine. These families lost teenagers to suicide. Um, Now, I should give you the number right now and again at the end uh, for Lifeline Australia, 13 11 14. That is their crisis support and counselling number. If you have ever considered suicide, and I know, you know, a lot of us have, this is a poignant conversation. This is a conversation with the people who are left behind. It's very sad, but you know what? They're very strong people, and those those people who then decide to try and help others out of their own terrible loss and sadness, they're amazing people. So uh, let's let's just sit for as long as you can with Annette and Stuart Baker and Frank and Ali Barrett. You don't wish to be a spokesman, but you've got to let people know that there's bad things that happen out there and that you really need help and proper help. Mm. I think you've got to make the best, well, you can't make the best of a bad situation, but you've got to get the best out of what's happened. Um, Chris was a beautiful person and he always tried to help people. Um, and he would want us to use this to stop it happening to other kids and other families. And also, I think, for me, it's a bit of revenge. Like, I'm taking revenge on what killed Chris, like the system, and trying to get the best deal for mental illness, um, you know, and trying to get the help for other people that Chris couldn't get, you know. Like... What, what help is there for parents when this happens, <laughs> by the way? What help did you get? Oh, we really haven't had any. <laughs> we've had friends supporting, um, but we've attempted to find help for 
for ourselves and for the boys. And, um, you know, um, we have a grief counsellor in Aubrey who my oldest son, our oldest son, saw uh, when he was 22 or 23 and she spent 45 minutes talking about Star Wars to him. Wow. He came home livid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He said, Mum, we can, we can heal ourselves. We don't need these people. It's an unfortunate reality that it's not uncommon teen suicide in Australia is what what are the stats do you know them off the top of your head no they're not great we know they're not great right young men isn't it between 15 and and so you would think that the next step would be Mm. family recovery after that and some kind of assistance yeah well actually the psychiatrist did suggest that I take my two daughters in after Chris died um and he actually said to them well did you think your brother was going to take his own life. And my eldest daughter said, well, no, did you? You're the psychiatrist. <laughs> and she stormed out. She, you know, very like, she, she walked out. So, yes. Because know. that sort of implies to me a little bit of blame. Am I the only one who would think that that, like, I'm sure he didn't mean that, but if, if someone said that to me, I would think, well, if I thought that, I would. Oh, yeah, why yeah. didn't you do something about yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, not that we can do anything necessarily about it, but that, 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 really forces that conversation back on the person, mm-hmm. I think. Yes, it does. It does. I mean, yeah. did, did you, did oh, you, did you? Steve just asked me before, because I told him briefly about what happened with the psychiatrist and look it up on the internet. Yeah. What is psychosis? Piece of paper, look it up on the internet. And he said, should you, have you pursued it further? Have you, is he, as is he incompetent? Yeah. Anything along that line, we've gone, you could go through a whole legal wrangle and try and spend money on lawyers and waste money on lawyers. We want to make sure that people don't have this happen to again. And it's not one psychiatrist. It's the fact that there is no support across the nation, more or less. So this is because you went, you all went to visit Chris's doctor about his condition. You knew that he was emotionally unstable. You, before he died? Before or he died. Before he died, um... No, we were we were taken. Oh, we weren't really given much information at all. But the doctor wrote psychosis on a scrap piece this of paper. The psychiatrist, psychiatrist, the psychiatrist did. This is before us... Chris died, and he gave it to you and said, "Go home and Google that." Yes, That's he said, I... "I think Chris has got early psych. I, th- I think you've got early psychosis." He wrote it on a piece of paper and said, "Here, look it up on the internet." And that was ten days before he died. That was. Uh, it may have been two weeks because I think there were a few days before he went Oops. on medication. Close. Um, yes. But we also found out after Chris died that five days before he died, he'd had suicidal thoughts. It was in psychiatrist notes, so we were never told that. Wow. And here we are, leaving our son alone in the house mm. unintentionally, knowing that if, if we'd known that, there was no way you would never leave no. your child out of your side. But yeah. also part of suicidal thoughts generally is keeping them from people who would prevent you from doing it, right? So you understand that you weren't meant to know, Yeah, you know, you know, he was, he was a 15 year old boy, um, 16 year old boy. Yeah. We, we leave 16 year old men at home on their own sometimes. He was bigger than me. Absolutely. And you know, he would have worked very, very hard to keep from you too, what he was thinking. For a lot of reasons. He had a mask. Sometimes he would put things aside, and that's part of our foundation is behind the mask. Of course. 
you know, because he loved you and he knew that you loved him and didn't didn't want you to know what was going on. So you can't be feeling bad about leaving him in the house alone. Annette and Stuart, you what what was your experience with the mental health system for your daughter Mary, who was fifteen? Um, Mary got sick when she was twelve, and um, she started with a a tooth abscess that was very bad, and she developed a virus um, and got extremely sick and just stopped eating. So that was in March 2008, exactly three years later, plus a week, she took her own life. Uh, she had an eating disorder for the entire time when she recovered from being in um, Royal Children's for two months to force feed her to get her eating and back back on track from the acute stage. She continued to, to go to school and play sport and on the outside she looked like she might have been improving but probably no one ever got to the nub of the problem or and, and possibly and, and for sure I suppose the, the eating disorder was just what you could see on the outside but she had she must have had serious depression for the entire time and I think at the end of the day she she could only see one way out and I'm sure she knew what she was going to do a long time before it happened and no one had an inkling. Um, But back to your original question about what sort of support there is, for us afterwards there there was nothing in Albury anyway that was suicide specific and the help we got was inadequate. Since we've been telling our story and and finding out more, we, we could now find the right people to talk to but it's not an easy task to just go and run into someone that's going to help. You know, often the best people were strangers or someone you just have a chance talk to or encounter, and, and they were sometimes helpful. I'm so naive. I just assume someone will come and find you. I assume they someone... They don't. They don't. Oh, I, I thought someone you. from the hospital or wherever will be no. on your phone saying, I'm that person, they're when can I come over? Frightened. They're they're and that's the... You know, that's the hard thing. They are really frightened, and that includes family. Um, unfortunately, course. not not the old auntie and uncle or elderly auntie and uncle of Stuart's who are, you know, you just get the odd beauties, and um, but you get a lot more disappointment than the odd beauties, I can tell you. I suppose it is hard to it know is. how to approach people in your situation, what... How can I help? How can I not make it worse? I'm so desperately worried about making it worse for you or hurting you further. What What would you say to people? What do you need in this situation? Just keep trying because, you know, I, I think people that are, you know, have experienced a child, a child's suicide are often angry um, Absolutely. with the world. <laughs> and um, angry, were you ever angry with Mary? No. <laughs> no, no. I feel like I, I feel like I might be. I might have moments of. <laughs> I had a Mary. doctor. But, her, her pediatrician say she was selfish for what she did. I don't think that, darling. But I think that if, if it were my baby, I might have moments of anger. Like, how could you do this? <laughs> no. I could have helped you if only you'd told me. You did. You no. never had that. No, she was, you know, beautiful, dignified, and 
you know, I think she thought it was the only way out, and and I don't think she trusted the medical system yeah. and didn't think they could help her, and she thought they were idiots. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And I think yeah. she's right. <laughs> I think she said dickheads. Yeah, yeah, but she was yeah. more clever than what they are, because a science degree does not very often give you um, give you the um, what empathy. You, yeah, the the um, what is it to to be able to treat a mental illness. Yeah, you know, we've just started speaking with her doctors after all this time, and they seriously still don't get it. I hate to say it, I, I don't know if you get it if you've never experienced it. Oh well, what, what why are think? they? You know, if they are trained in yeah. this area, yeah, you know, but yeah, they need to be better. I because... mean, have any of you ever suffered mental illness yourselves? Is it in your family, depression, or anything mm, like that? Not really. That. I know of in in my immediate family. Yeah, although you know when you read Auntie's oh, letters, yeah. and you know that there there are yeah, you know, that, there's always that's it. It's only a, recently a we've named these things, yes. isn't it? So mm. we look back at our parents and grandparents and think, hmm, maybe. Yes. What about you guys? Is there a mental illness in your family? I've had a bit of depression, but mm. um, you know, and nothing. You know, I've had been on antidepressants. So. Yeah. So how, um, Alison, how bad has your depression gotten? Have you ever, have you ever gotten that low, do you think? Before, and I'm, I'm pre-Chris's death, had you experienced extreme depression like that? Oh, no, probably not. Okay. No, probably not. So it's really hard to tap into how they could be feeling. I think mm. unless you've been that low. And the feeling of not being able to get out of the hole. Um, yeah. You know, like, yeah. Yeah, Patrick McGorry, I think, um, puts it beautifully. There's not many people that take their lives that are, are well mentally. No, of uh, course not. Yeah, so. But I just wonder how you can, if you can't, if you can't, tap into how they were feeling. It must be really difficult as a parent, even when you see your child's mm. floundering. Well, like Stuart said, Mary might have planned it a long time ago. We always wondered, how, how was Chris? We were puzzled. We were wondering yeah. what was all this happening. What was Chris thinking? Yeah, I always think, though, that... What was he thinking? Yeah. I always think that Chris what, didn't what? really kill himself. I always look at it that mental men, mental yes. illness killed him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You know, like, he, Chris wouldn't have done that to us. He wouldn't have done it. You know, like no. he had plans for yeah. the next week. He'd just been shopping and bought new clothes. You know, like yeah. he it didn't kill himself. Weekend. Mental illness killed friends. him, and the system killed him. And, yeah. Well, we know that mental illness can, uh, you know, when we can't find the right treatment or something to help us, it can be terrifying, exhausting, yeah. just de- demoralizing, mm. debilitating. You know. What was Chris's mental illness? How did that display itself up until this point? When, when did it first come on, do you think? Oh, look, in retrospect, he's marked well, probably 10 months before his school results started going down. Um, real alarm bells rang about four and a half months before he died when he started cutting himself, mm. um, which escalated in February to really deep cuts where he needed to go to the doctors for treatment. Um 
so probably four and a half months with a like that was the cutting. Four and a half months later, he he died. The deep cuts were clever cuts. Now he had a swimming competition on. He loved swimming. He was a great back backstroke and all that stuff. Yeah, um, breaststroke wasn't it? Breaststroke. Yeah. yeah, butterfly. Butterfly and breaststroke. <laughs> sorry, not being a swimmer myself. Yeah, and he cut himself on his thighs just above where he so he could still go to the swimming comp, but but not be visible and seen. It wasn't the I'm here. Look, I've cut myself. It wasn't showing that. It was no. doing something no. with the illness. It was only discovered because I found blood-soaked stuff under his bed. So it was like, you know, oh. what's yeah. That was so. the only way we knew about it. He was hiding it. So it was doing something yeah. that he needed to do in the illness. But Gee, that's he wasn't, hard. He wasn't a, look, I'm suicide. He wasn't an attention seeker. I'm doing this. Well, plus the psychologists say that, you know, like cutting isn't a suicidal thing. So, mm. like, it's so, you know, like. Actually, I... It's I, not. I, I thought it would be. It's not in no. and of itself. It's well, like an eating I'll... disorder, you know, I was told. Right. Yeah, that's Sort of was... two years later, it's not the eating. And I'm thinking, well, teach me what is it. I, I don't, you know, we were not educated mm. with um, an eating disorder. And we, you know, Stuart and I shared uh, taking four meals to Mary at school a day for three years. So... <laughs> We kept her alive, and if there were not warning bells to the doctors from that, we thought that this mm. was normal. I think eating In disorders reality. are... A lot of people think they're normal for teenage girls mm. as well, unfortunately. Yeah, but, you know, when you look at where we, where Mary came from, mm. it was a physical overlapping to a mental, and, yeah. um, and that was quite different... Um, when when we look back, yeah. quite different, but we were in survival mode. Yes, and no one knows. We we all do the best with our kids, but no one really knows, do they? We don't. We don't know. No, we're trying to affect them positively and and push them in every moment in a positive direction, mm. but we we don't know. Yeah, because they're computing things in their own way and. Mm. Comprehending stuff in their own way. Yeah. Well, Mary, when she was physically unwell and was in hospital in Albury, then eight weeks in Melbourne, she would have died from her physical or, you know, her her weight loss. Um, Was that serious? Yeah, Yeah. without intervention. So she did, she was close to death, I guess, and maybe she'd never fully recover from from that. Mm. Is that accepted as a suicidal trajectory? Uh, one of the yes. people we saw um, afterwards who was a grief counsellor said that during the um, Spanish plague in, I think it was the early 19th century or, or might have been the early 1900s, a lot of the people that survived the plague and nearly died later suicided because... Yeah, it, they just don't bounce back and life isn't quite the same and doesn't have the hope and the um and I think it is about hope when when someone hasn't got any hope in their life there's not much well there's nothing to look and forward to experience that's so close to death experience mm. she mm. said was you know mm. but no one. <laughs> no, no, who one knows? And it's also counterintuitive, isn't it? It feels like for a young girl with a great family 
who's had an illness like that to survive should mean hope, should mean um, optimism for her future. It's mm. it's it's also counterintuitive. Yeah, and and that's the mental illness side yeah. of it because yeah. if you are well, there's no way you even think about suicide. Mm. You, you do anything to survive. Of recovery, she she appeared well. The the strangest thing was the food, but she was playing a great water polo. She was um, she was riding horses um, at um, quite a high level. And um, and doing you know uh, achieving quite well at school also, but it was while you guys were taking four meals a day to school. Yes, yeah, just you know, and she was texting if we were if I was late. Where are you, Mum? So she was not that traditional you know eating disordered girl because they'd be running away from you. Yeah, <laughs> not texting to ask where you were. She just you know had this difficulty with. Being mm. able to do it on her own. And she was she, compliant, wasn't she? She she'd yep. eat when we were there, but she okay. didn't ever take a mouthful of food by herself since she first got sick. Wow, um, Alison, when you found, if we can just go back to when Chris started cutting himself, and you realised when you found blood-soaked rags under the bed. Yeah, tell me about that moment when you found them. Um. Well, I, I approached Chris and sort of said, you know, what's this from? And and he, I don't actually remember, but I, I remember the um, the months afterwards, like just the anguish of wondering whether he was going to cut too deep or, you know, I think. And did it signal an escalation in his mental illness when you found those? Did you... Did you hell, know? Hell, well, he went straight. We went straight to the doctors, yeah. and he got referred to a psychologist. Um, it, well, the first the first cuts were only surface cuts. Um, that would have been in the four and a half months. They were just scratches, um, and I'd actually seen him on. I think it was on his wrist, and he said he'd fallen. But then I looked, and it was like in a pattern. Um, and I said, "Well, no, it wasn't." And he 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 told me that he'd um he'd done it. But in, we went to the doctors and he went to a psychologist. Um, and when he had the deeper cuts, that probably would have been that probably horrible. six weeks that was, before yeah, he died. February, yeah. Um, probably, yeah. Um, he was referred to the psychiatrist. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think my worst fear was that he was going to cut too deep. You know, like I didn't think that. It sounds like you're in survival mode like these guys. You were more about the sort of immediate... Um, dangers, you yes, know? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think it didn't occur to me that Chris was going to hang himself. I thought that if he died, it would have been an accident and he would have, he would have, that was my fear, finding him, finding him in a pool yeah. of blood in the morning, you know, like, um, you know, I, and I'm sure Annette and Stuart are the same. I mean, they would have slept beside their yeah. daughter's bed to keep her safe. Well, you know? with, and with the cutting, we did get told after the psychiatrist, we had all the knives and sharp objects away. We did. Yep. We put everything away, everything. Yeah. yeah. Like all the scissors. and. But then a few months after Chris died, I opened his mobile phone and a razor blade fell out. <laughs> um, he, still, he still had it there as a safety. He had it. He yeah. had a razor he blade needed in the back it. of his phone. Yeah, because if that's it's that that that's what but I knew wants he had do, something. I just knew because he was too 
he was too calm about me having taken everything away. So I knew that he had something somewhere, you know, like, you know. Like, and like that's, that an sounds really horrible because I was, I was reduced to checking my son's school bag because, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, that's what I did because I had to do it to keep him safe. You yeah. know, like. I, I, get, I totally get that. Did you ever lose your temper with your kids, with, with, with your, with Mary not eating unless you, you took the food? I mean. Well, we were actually forced, you know, with the, with the treatment that we were, to, we had to come to Melbourne once a week after she was, um, after she left hospital. And that was the most awful <laughs> We had day of our week. We all came down, and you back. had to have treatment. No, like it was like it family, yeah, yeah, a family, and it was just hideous. It was like you know, um, so there was a way in, and oh, you know the old. So, how do you think Mary's going this week? You know, and oh. <laughs> um, and it's a long way to travel for that type of yeah, yeah. demeaning, undignified, yeah. and not very nice. And I can't imagine it works. It might work sometimes, but mm. it, it certainly didn't help Mary. She she didn't get the help that she needed. And if we had, if we knew now, oh, if we knew then what we know now, I, I think we might have been able to find a better path and maybe have saved her, but mm. back then it wasn't to be. No, you certainly threw everything you had at it at the time. Mm. Yeah. The trouble is this help should be readily accessible, shouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't be that hard to find. Mm. This is yeah. what I, I had no idea it was this hard to find because we just hear so much in the media about youth mental health and yes. I assume that services come with all that attention. Yeah. Um, like the Head Starts and all those programs, were you guys, were they involved in those mental health teen things? No. no. I think they've come a long way recently. Perhaps they weren't mm. there yeah. five, five, you know, four or five years ago. Yeah, maybe I think more, maybe there needs to be more education and awareness in schools. Yeah. You know, I don't think schools want to talk about it. Well, it's uh, at scared. the school that we, Mary was at, there was another suicide a couple of years later, same yeah. year. And um, they are moving and shaking. Yeah, Chris's school has yeah. changed too, but yeah. what does it take for them to change? Well, here in Melbourne, I know there are schools that had a, had epidemics, in inverted commas, yeah. of suicide. Yeah. And they were so panic-stricken, they did not want to talk about it. Yes. did not want oh. any media mm. attention because they feel as though that encourages mm. other kids. Don't, yeah. send that child to, don't send my child to that school because you, it, there's it that. could yes. affect them. There's a, there's a club that's going to encourage them to not. Yes, yeah, absolutely. With Chris's, with Chris's cutting, like they they didn't want to talk about it. Like they talk about it with the kid who does it, but they don't want to talk about it openly because they think it'll encourage kids to do it. Yeah, you know. And I think suicide's the same. Like they yep. don't want to talk about it. You know. So now, with the awful experience that you all have, what what would you encourage people to talk about in schools or with their own kids? I mean, what what is the message? Well, most. Um, uh, parents that I speak to now either tell me about how how depressed their children are or how happy their children are. Mm. So, you know, I think there's a lot of parents that um, believe, you know, that old happiness thing. Mm -hmm. um, why they're telling me, I'm not so sure about that. But I, I am also hearing, especially last weekend, you know, that when children are having their struggles, they are seeking help. And that is that is fantastic. You know, for me, that's great to hear because that is not 
how I felt or we felt when, you know, we, we were in this rigid system where, you know, a paediatrician was saying, do you think it's all in her head? Do you, you know, Mary, I think your virus is over. At her, clearly her her lowest point, I think you need to get back to school. I think you need to start exercising. You know, I, I'm going, right, this, I, I don't get what's mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. Too tough. Mm. Sounds, sounds tough, doesn't it? Sounds- well, you're in you're in this system, and you're taking the advice that is given, and clearly, it's not really um, the right, the correct advice. So, what would I say to my children? They're only they're babies, but what would I say to them if, after meeting you guys, if there's an eating disorder happening or there's there's cutting or, or whatever, there, there's clearly um, emotional problems, mental health issues, what, what would you say to young people? I mean, I suppose you can't say, are you thinking of killing yourself? Because they're going to go, no, <laughs> you know, regardless. But what's the message, do you think? Is it about hanging there, life gets better? Is there, what do you think? I think you need to listen right. and, and, you know, just make certain, make sure that things are okay. Kids mm. are pretty clever. They'll hide. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Block you yeah. out. I think yeah. our boys hide their grief, you know. I think we hide our grief from yeah. them because, yeah. you know, collectively we, we all know what we're going through and we all know that we are surviving and yeah. we are doing extremely well, all things considered. But you, you, you know, I look at the boys and I look at Stuart and, and I say, God, I hope everyone's okay. Yeah. That's a, a sibling. I feel like. My two daughters, they've got to, I mean, I know we've got to live with it for the rest of our lives too, but, you know, I mean, my daughters were 19 and 23, you know, and they've lost a brother and they've got to live with that forever, Mm. you know, and I think maybe, maybe kids need to, I mean, I know when people take their own lives, they're not thinking straight and I don't blame Chris for what he did. Um, I think I get more angry at myself for not protecting him because that was my job. Um. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Um, but suicide isn't a solution. You know, it's not just one life. It's a part of so many lives. You know, it goes right from 
Chris's grandparents down to his little nephew that you never got to meet. Mm. And you even know? further, and it's, it's more. It's yeah. like a hole it's, in your heart. You, you don't can't know feel. a lot of the people that were affected no, by his oh, suicide. So many of his friends. We've got yeah. families and children, but if we, if Chris was an only child, yeah. we didn't have grandparents. It could have hit us, either of us, so badly that we may have done the same thing, and there would have been mm. another victim of mental health. Oh, I, I thought about it. I justified it. <laughs> I justified it. Chris had no one. <laughs> the girls had Frank and Ali everyone told me else. that Chris I, had no one, and and I should be with him. I and seriously I went, thought about it, and I went, "Hang on, you've got two daughters." Yeah, I knew that I could. But cope I, I if could she justify had. that because they well, had you. But isn't this I knew why she wanted to do it. She wanted to do it, and I knew that she wanted to do it. She told me, but I had to play the "You've got daughters" card to look after. Yeah. But it's interesting because if I you, had done that, you, Alison, you're the one who, who knows how you can justify suicide. Yes, because you did it. I, I could justify. I could. I and obviously, Chris, Chris and Mary no could as well. Yeah, and she knew that I was strong enough. But oh yeah, you know what I mean. Wasn't for the daughters. I think. She I think you just you just, just take one. It. The only way you can go on is take one day at a time. You just that's how you start. Oh, you I'm think. Sorry. Oh, that's all right, darling. Yeah. You think like, yes, okay, I can get through one day and you get through one day and then the next mm. day, you know, I mean, you still, I still wake up with that dread in my stomach thinking, hoping that I'm going to realise that it's all just a bad nightmare, mm. you know. You said that in the car, come in this morning, didn't you? I think the only way you survive is that you think he's just gone away somewhere. You don't think it's happened, you know, and... Well, I guess they're the two possibilities, aren't there? They that I either try and get through my day pretending it never happened, or I try and face every last bit of it and try and deal with it that way. Which way do you guys go, or have you gone <laughs> both? I suppose. Uh, I've times I've you know thought about. Them. <laughs> I don't ever stop thinking about Mary <laughs> every minute. Yeah, and it, it it's you know it, it's good to think about it too, even though it's. There can be some really low days. You know, I would hate not not thinking about her. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's, you know, I, I suppose I'm shocked, but I shouldn't be, that it's four and five years ago and yet... It's still hard. Wow, it seems like it was yesterday yeah. when I chat with you guys. It never yeah. goes away. It never goes away. You just get better at hiding the pain and living with it. That's mm. all you do. Because It's just like a constant yeah. hole. It's gone away for the community, so it, it's very hard to, you know, keep talking about it with, you know, there are some people that you can um, have a discussion with, but um, no, it's clearly they're over it, so <laughs> yes, you That's need to be back on your thing, bike. Isn't it? That's yeah. the annoying thing, because yeah. people think you're we've, over it, but you're not. Through what we've done promoting and through a little bit of fundraising which has helped Headspace yeah, and what Annette's done to something. But we've found that once you start talking about this and promoting, people come to you and say, oh, my my mm. uh, my first wife, she's my second wife, she's still struggling with losing her child mm. as a, as a, and still copes through it. Someone else I know said, oh, yes, we'll help you out with the foundation because my mm. 16 year old daughter's going through these issues and stuff like that. Now, all these people are suddenly talking up and speaking yeah. about it or coming. And so you, you end up being a sponge absorbing in more yeah. stories you do. yourself. 
It's amazing and just how widespread it is, though. You know, does like, it hurt though to be taking in other people's it does. stories? It I mean, can I hurt. think sometimes it's better. Okay, <laughs> but then yeah. you sort of think, oh, you know, that would be nasty, and and yeah, some of the things like that. So yeah, but it still will never stop the hurt that you have yourself. Yeah, I suppose it's just very different to a normal death, isn't oh, it? It, yeah. it? And that's the key to it. That, that's why you you don't get help as much and that's why people don't know what to say because as you said earlier it's counterintuitive taking your own life that's that's the opposite to what everyone else tries to do mm-hmm. and if it's that, bad, so you are yeah you are oh you fight for everything yeah, yeah absolutely and we yeah. do we all know we have such a strong survival yeah. instinct and often with with an illness like that there's a lot of lead time and warning coming up to the death and suicides just traumatic sudden and and society has not been equipped to talk about it, and they actively try not to talk about it for a long, long time. So it's it's a re-education process that's happening. And I think I know in our community things have improved a lot in the almost five years since Mary died. Because you're in a small community, you're in mm. Aubrey. Yes, mm. um, which so, can be hard. <laughs> yes, as well, and one. 16-year-old girl's suicide can create massive ripples in a community mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Everyone knew her or knew her brothers or knew you guys. Yeah. Uh, yes. So you are in town. Do you feel like you're Mary's parents? That's Mary's parents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very much. Yeah. Very much. Um, you know, that the year that Mary died, her her younger her her uh, the youngest of the boys, Henry, was doing year twelve. So he went back to school because he didn't you know, he was probably no good with me at home. And um he was told he needed to sit exams. His brain was like my brain. Yeah. Um you know, he he was disappointed with results. He was disappointed with ATAR scores. We had to find help from, for him. And and that, you know, all of that we shouldn't have had to be dealing with. It was very, very, very hard. Yeah. You, what you need is to be wrapped up in cotton wool and nurtured by the community, but they're not equipped to do it. So mm. I guess we've had to do it ourselves and try and... You know, just be open and honest about what happened, and and with that understanding, you know, the people get better at doing things, and the community improves. Mm. But um, and I it, guess for as long as it takes, isn't it? It's there's no time limit. There's no, no. you'll you'll feel better in six months, or I mean, mm. obviously, people want to make it right. They yes, want to yes. They like to see you get better. Yes. They like to see you smile, and and we have started um, an event on the winter solstice night for survivors of suicide and friends we've done it three years now and it's really you know been wonderful for people affected by suicide it's but you know to me I think why should we be doing that can't someone do that for us of course yes I think you should be the last people who have to be mm. organizing anything you should yeah. be guests of honor and you know and Patrick has spoken um, Susan Murray from Suicide Prevention Australia. So, you know, we talked about uh, this with Alison and Frank and it would be great if if something like that could happen. 
in more places, you know. So what what are the what, what are you guys doing? You've you've both, both in your own ways um, made this a focus of your life in terms of pulling something good out of it, which is you know sounds really twee, but trying to find some positive way of moving forward and helping other people. So you do the winter solstice. Yeah. Is that part of something bigger or that's your focus at the moment? Well, it's quite big. Yes. And we also are um, on a um, committee with um, Mary's water polo coach and we do a big splash event um, in March. And that's, you know, just a small part is in memory of her, but a big part is we raise $10,000 for Headspace. Wow. And Headspace was a part of a butterfly campaign that Ash, uh, Ashley Agoon, one of the journalists at the border, um, and Stuart, my son Jack, took a pile of butterflies to Canberra to Mark Butler and within six months we were allocated a headspace, which wow. Aubrey and Wodonga had been trying for. And they save lives. I've met I've met people whose lives have been yeah, saved. Yeah, so Aubrey and Wodonga didn't have a headspace. So right. probably out of our tragedy and the community yep. getting behind it and, you know, that was something they could do. So they all cut out butterflies and coloured them in. And Signed them. Yep. There was a petition that went to Parliament and Aubrey and Wodonga eventually got a, a headspace. So that's, that's a positive. And, and the community has been amazing. They've They've rallied around and... Possibly, you know, the the first step, we held Mary's funeral in a public place because often after the death or a suicide death, children or their friends are excluded from a crowded church or whatever. And, and in our case, a lot of people came along and all her friends and the kids from school. And I think that openness started the conversation that may not have happened otherwise because you either go to ground and hide or, or you, you know. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, you're right. There's a shame involved, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. There's a shame involved mm. with losing a family member, a child, to suicide. My mother's mother committed suicide. And, I mean, obviously she was a grown woman, but certainly it was a very, very big family secret. Mm. Um, and, yeah. you know, uh, so just hearing you say that, that you had a public funeral reminded me, oh, yeah, there's shame attached to this. Mm. Mm. Again, well, counterintuitive. Were not, you know, a person that has died by suicide was not to, allowed to be buried in the same part of a of yeah, a cemetery. Of so, um, and we we've also um, the our our local newspaper did, ran a campaign called "Ending the Silence of Suicide," and we were the first to tell our story. Um, we were reluctant, but we did it, and. Um, it ran, it was supposed to go for a week and ran for three months, I, I believe. And, you know, they support our big splash and our winter solstice when we need to, you know, mm. have stories. So they've been mm. very good and they won a couple of Walkley Awards. And, you know, so so I think, you know, Aubrey, Patrick McGorry says, Aubrey, you're doing well. <laughs> Yeah. 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 And again, you know, regional suicide rates are very high for yeah. Yeah. Um, people of all ages. Mm. I think men between 50 and 65 are actually our highest yes. um, danger group these days in Australia, certainly mm. country men. Yeah. Um, Alison and Frank, what, what are your activities? 
Um, we've set up a foundation, the Chris Barrett Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, we're much smaller than Annette and Stuart. Similar I've, I find it a bit draining. We I get started, very tired. Yeah, it, it is exhausting. The first, <laughs> the first year was yeah. a bit more for as an anniversary of mm. to let people know about mental health awareness. We held it in a local park next to the school, which was also near our house as well. We walked through that park every day. And we had a lot of friends around. We did a, a, a game sort of day and did fundraising, had some silent auction things. The next year in the school, with, with full cooperation from the school and all, this is a, a government secondary college, and we had speeches and we had a bands competition at Headspace we were running through. Mm-hmm. Our money was going to Frankston Headspace, which was in operation then. Right. It, was, yeah. it was one of the ones that started up probably early. I think they, were, they initially announced 50 Headspaces across Australia and then it got trimmed back to, yeah. to so many. I know there's now one in Dandenong as well, but it was Frankston was the only one from in the southern area sort of thing. Oh. And then each year we sort of well, we had an outdoor park thing. We're now doing, uh, we've had a Mad Hatter's Tea Party last year. Do you find it's hard for people to have fun at these events? I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. <laughs> Our first solstice, we were talking. If to... I'm going to an event commemorating a teen yes. suicide, I'm yep. like, yep. It's it, it, it wasn't was... that though. It, we, okay. we didn't make it anything to do with Mary. It was just okay. yeah. yeah, for people who were curious, interested, or wanted to show some solidarity or support mm. to anyone who. And it's who, it, mm. the community for both of our events. Who, we were talking to someone recently about it, and they they've just they they own it now, yeah. and we organised it. But they um, with the big splash, you know, everyone thinks it's theirs, you it's know. So event. it's really good, except that we do all the hard work and organising. What and about the event? You know, the, the anniversary of Chris's death, and well, this year we held a Mad Hatter's tea party um, at a indoor play centre. To try and get young people to yeah, come great. and yeah. play, and we had headspace there with information. It was more, well. yeah. it was more an awareness, so that hopefully kids from the local schools would come and get information on mental illness and mm. and creating awareness. Um, we're actually thinking of changing it and holding it in Mental Health Week next year, yeah, which is October, because I thought maybe we'd get more coverage from local press or or press at all, yeah. Um, it's hard. So, we get a lot of coverage, but it's still really hard in mm. the real world to admit that you have mental health problems, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. To admit to employers or potential employers. Mm. or and But we don't admit that we've got a broken arm. Yeah, you're so right. You're so right, you know, yeah. Or a broken leg. Yeah. So admit is, I've had, before a big splash, a woman said to me, I've just admitted that I've got mental, you know, that I'm depressed. And I said, admit. Mm. Yeah, you're right. That you is know? the wrong I word. I think with yeah. mental illness too, I think a lot of people think maybe it can't happen to them. Yeah. yeah. Like, sure. you and know, like it's something that, I mean, maybe you have to be through some traumatic ordeal to get a mental illness. You know, maybe people just don't think it can happen to them. It doesn't. And know. as we were saying before, sometimes you think of older relatives and you think, oh, that person clearly suffered anxiety mm. or whatever, but yeah. it didn't have a name then. Yeah, no. that's right. It was funny, Auntie Muriel, in my case, <laughs> you know, yeah. our family, yeah. no one, <laughs> Yeah, you know. And some people do survive, yeah. you know, out there, you know, fu- funny Auntie Muriel. And, yeah. Know, we have one in our family and um, but she, and she survives, doesn't mm. she? She survives beautifully. In fact, I think if she came into the system, she 
she wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Well, I just can't mm-hmm. imagine. There, there's no way of planning how one would cope in such a scenario. Trying to do that together, I, I can't imagine how. If you yeah. don't have each other to support, though, yeah, it, it's only one and they're, only, they're lost. Yeah. Now, I mean, I've had people say to me, you know, it's so good that, you know, you're still together after what's gone through because they know of so many other people that yep. have had something and phew, it's hit one partner so badly that they've done, they just couldn't cope about mm-hmm. anyone else. Yeah. We have, um, I have had several comments, one from one of Mary's um, pediatricians through another person, another person, and actually a recent comment um, on Saturday, they can't believe that we still, that we haven't moved away. Yeah. And I said, really? I said, do you think we need to move away? Yeah. <laughs> I know, think nobody uh, else know the, knows the depth of the grief either. Yeah. You know, like... And, and they want no, you away because then they don't need to see you or deal with you. Yeah. yeah. But that I think that bonds one. you together too because it's nice to know that somebody has that same depth, you know, like, of hurting them, you know, like it's... And somebody oh, understands it. how you feel. You four are in a terrible club, but... Mm, it's a club no one wants to be in. Of course in. not, but, but, I mean, is it... Um, I don't know what the word... Comforting to be able to talk to other people? There's certain things that you could only say. Yeah, uh, I'd find that. Yeah, yeah I. And yeah. Stuart has people that come to his work all the time who, who you know, sometimes just say, "How are you both going?" You know, because yeah. they're in the same club. No, no, no but really. some people just do it so beautifully, and and they're. It's great to encounter them, and then others, you know, it, it's a difficult conversation, or it's the elephant in the room, and you know what they're thinking but they can't say anything and you just ignore it but some are just beautiful if if you could treat suicide suicide like just any other death it would be really good that would be a bit of advice try and just acknowledge it's a death but not treat it differently to another Mm -hmm. type yeah, like those people that cross the street when you're going yeah. past. <laughs> well, I had a paediatrician my first time in town after Mary died. He diagonally sprinted across the road to avoid me. And that was like, for me, okay, this is different. I know, I now understand that this is different because we've had three other significant deaths in our families. Stuart's parents died in a plane accident and... No one did that to us afterwards. It's very, very, very different. Mm. Um, When did you, like, how long did it take you to be able to uh, have a family, have a fun family event after this, like a holiday or a Christmas or, you know, I mean, is it even possible yet? I find it hard to, to go to family events but we have um traveled in the last four years we i'm a swimmer and we do swim events overseas and mm. we meet beautiful people and and how refreshing to be they all know our story oh they do i was yep. going to say it might be refreshing no. for them to not know for you no. to just be no they yourself. all do and um and our boys have been the last two years and they just uh really quite amazing aren't they Mm. people are good and telling our stories helps 
okay. Mm, it, it does help. It, it's it's hard, and the first time is nearly impossible. But the more you do it, the easier it gets. You know, for the first six months, year, if I heard the word Mary somewhere, it was like a cut, or a, yeah. or I'd flinch. Or if I heard the word suicide, I'd flinch. Mm. And and just gradually over time, you get better at um, dealing with it. Mm. What about you guys? Do you? Mm. How how are and again you've all got other children so yeah you have to go on for them I yeah mean, you know we've you know we've we went to Italy a couple of years ago you know and when you're away and you're doing something really nice you think you'd give it all away you'd give it all up just to have respect <laughs> of you know yeah. you know like nothing and when people say you're lucky I had someone say you're lucky you're going away and I yeah. said oh you're <sighs> You know, but then then you do find you do things too. Like you'll do things because you think Chris would have done them. Mm, you know, yeah. like and but yeah, you know you. That's interesting, mm. Annette. You you yes. never can feel lucky. Oh. I said you're you're lucky. You've got a nice you're lucky car. You're lucky. <laughs> no. You've got yes. a good you tan well, which you do by the way. <laughs> um, that none of that can ever. No. Okay. No. No. It's nothing. You never feel lucky again. You're lucky. Not lucky. But then I always think you could always be worse off. <laughs> yes. Well, we're sort of taught to think that, aren't we? And then I suppose you should be allowed every now and then to go, actually, what's happened to me and my family bad. is pretty it's, significant. Yeah, it is. It is. It's hard yeah, to feel. It's, it's hurt for us in different ways. Like you mentioned family things and our oldest daughter had a child three years ago and she asked us, could she have the middle name Chris for the yes. boy? You know, mm. and, was that going to hurt or not going to hurt? But she wanted to do it as respect. Couldn't yeah. call him Chris because I think that would hurt it's too lot, much, particularly yeah. the grandparents. But yeah. Do you keep bedrooms and stuff? I do. <laughs> yes. Like most people. That I threw child. out his undies and socks. That's as far as I've How got. How strange. <laughs> what a strange thing to have to do, That's though. That's all I could do. Uh, yeah. I, everything this, else is still there. Well, but right. I made myself do that and I almost cried, but. I go to look at his T-shirts and I think, yes, I can do this. And then I just thought, no, mm. I can't do this. I don't think I just put them to. back in the cupboard. Well, like can't. that. Chris was a fencer. Chris had started oh, fencing. okay. And he wanted me to do fencing. And I'd started fencing in like 2008, 2009. And, of course, we lost Chris in 10. And I still keep – I've got his – because I'm the same size, <laughs> shoes, blades, mask and all that. And my biggest challenge, well, you talked about swimming and going to events. We had fencing competition in Melbourne a month, six weeks after. And I had to compete in this Commonwealth Fencing Championships. And Alison and, and my, one of my daughters came down and watched. And that was so hard. Yeah. Alison won't go and watch fencing events because mm-hmm. if there's kids there. Yeah. I just can't. Chris should be there. Mm. <laughs> well, everyone looks the same in fencing gear and I can just... Yeah. Secrets, you know, like yeah, it's you know, like I um, had a whole moment fencing a big tall chap in Adelaide, and he was a couple years old. And Chris, very good fencer, mm. and he took his mask off. I beat him. Yeah, he was a really good fencer. I beat him, and paid for else. Mm. Everything else, and I said, "What? I've just fenced to Chris. Oh. <laughs> we the same height, similar hair." Yeah, Alice was. Miles, I've been down on the beach walking in Glenelg, just having a great time. But probably not having a great time, but I just had to tell her mm. because Chris was there. And, uh, 
see, sometimes I'll see someone who looks like Chris and I want to go and oh, hug him. Yeah. You know, like if you're walking along the street, oh, your heart sort of gives this little lurch, doesn't it? Oh, you just want to go and hug that person. <laughs> you just want to pretend it's him for a minute. The, remember the little blonde boy in the basketball uniform? Yeah. Looked like little Chris. Mm. Yeah. How precious that you've been able to maintain your relationship so you've got someone to call and say, swear to God, I just saw Chris. <laughs> you know, so someone gets yeah. it. And you've kept Mary's bedroom and everything? I do. I find it hard driving around at, you know, preschool time oh. or oh. or, or school getting out because of all the school uniforms that, you know. And because little kids, little kids to me, because they sort of remind you of when everything was possible. Yeah, yeah. and when nothing. And you see them growing up. Yes, you know, her, yeah, her friends getting their license, mm. you know, oh, yeah. stuff like that. That's but so hard, isn't it? It is. Yep. And so yeah, and another thing I find really difficult, and it's quite disturbing at times, is I don't feel other people's sadness. You know, I've had a oh. very good friend die of cancer recently and I talked to her I said you know Kim I don't feel sad you know because our sadness has been so so huge yeah I, I don't get do you know what I'm you know what I, I, mean. I do but <laughs> Annette used to read to Kim um in her last three months and she was great company for Kim probably yeah. because she she was able to discuss yeah. Death better, I, I think. And I than... talked to, you know, I said, I know when Mary died, people don't tell me things. If they're doing great fun things, they don't tell me. But I would always go to her with a bit of gossip and a bit mm-hmm. of, you know, and her kids said that they loved hearing her laughing, you know. <laughs> I said, right. That's well, like we were saying earlier. It's like you've been all the way there. Yeah. You've, you know, you've been to the depth of um, mourning and loss. I can't think of it being worse than than what you have lived through. I think it's one thing you think, well, if you've survived this, you can survive anything. Yeah. yeah. You know, like you nothing, you just think, well, it's nothing compared to what you've been through. Mm. You can... And that's the sadness thing, isn't yes. it, really? The, when you're hearing yeah. other sad stories, yeah, that's right. it, it's just... I think know. it still amazes you that, well, it still amazes me that, I've actually survived, you know, like, and I've actually, you know, because you think you're not going to get through it Mm. and you think, well, I actually have. It's certainly one of those things we tell ourselves when our kids are little, if anything ever happened to you, or we keep telling us, I couldn't cope, I couldn't Mm. live, I couldn't Mm. go on. Yes. And here you are. The thing is you have to, you don't have any choice. Yeah. You don't have any choice. You've got others to do it for. Mm. That's where sometimes you see the older male take their life because... Their wives left them and the whole families left them. Whether they're on their own or the farm's gone down or something. Mm. And they say, well, that's it. Yeah. I can't do any better. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's just the deck of cards you've been dealt and you have to play with them, you know. It's yeah. And there's also that do. justification that you can feel, I think. I think in the mental illness, somehow you can honestly believe that it's, it's, it's okay to do that – it's mum and dad will will survive. That I'm not mm. tearing their world apart. That oh, I'll sort of just close my eyes and and I'll get a rest. Uh, I th- I think they're so unwell yes. that yeah. th- they can't see a different option, and, no. and they probably obsess on it. And yeah, they're just not thinking 
straight or clearly no. or, or as a well person would. So No, and it, that's the difference between you talking about your thoughts of doing the yes. same thing. I mean, I, I'm sure we've all thought, you know, but um, we then you can be brought back with the impact of yes. your child's yeah. death. Um, Whereas a mentally ill person yeah. potentially can't be brought back yeah, with they, those impacts. They would never have those that reality. Thoughts. You know, mm. this is, you know, the impact that. Yeah, I think um, that's a really important message, though, is that anyone who's thinking about killing themselves, like, just don't do it. Wait. Yeah. You know, just, just, you know, give it an hour, give it a day. Just, you know, yeah. don't yeah. do it. Life can be better. Thanks again to Annette and Stuart Baker and Frank and Ali Barrett. That number for Lifeline again is 13 11 14. I know that was a hard listen, but uh, I hope it had something for you. I hope you were able to take something away from it. And I wanted to thank both families and encourage you to perhaps donate to Headspace, um, get involved in those kinds of, of youth support services that help all of us in our community, really. When our young people are in trouble, we're all in trouble. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.